I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, we're we're discussing discussing 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Hello, Will, mate. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. Busy week and uh, plenty going on. But One um, of your your 4,000, eh? One of my four thousand weeks. And I, uh, I, sh- I showed you a, a picture of the uh, the poster I bought that was oh, yeah. uh, my life in weeks, and you you tick off every single week as it goes along. And we, uh, I put it to a group chat with one of our friends, and uh, he was like, not sure how he felt about it. And I said it was either going to motivate me or give me give me a crippling guilt. So uh, <laughs> I'm interested to see how this chat sort of maybe informs that. Yeah, I mean that decision to buy a poster, which which is uh, displaying the length of life I have left. Ticking each week <laughs> off your life sounds sounds just awful. <laughs> yeah. I don't, like, that's I don't the best case scenario it. of making it all the way to old age. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not sure but uh, hopefully hopefully this chat uh helps helps work through that. I'm not it was a bit of an impulse buy. No, I, I like it. I I like the uh I like playing with these ideas. It doesn't, you know, seeing how they feel. I can see how it could be both either inspiring or d- depressing. Well, that, that, that's it, isn't it? With a lot of um, a lot of the books we cover as well, it's sort of like there's the the ideas, but then there's the sort of uh, philosophy around how to live out those ideas and how they how they apply to you, right? Um, on a, on a grander scale, because I think if you took everything literally, it might not. Um, be as helpful as maybe um capturing the spirit of what's been mm. said in, in the books we read nice well i think that's a nice segue because this book is really about the spirit of a philosophy you carry with you and we will yeah. uh explore some of his tips as well but it's really a, an attitude shift so i'll yeah. uh i'll give a bit of a um description of the book overall and we'll dig in so Oliver Berkman, he's a British journalist and writer, seems to focus a lot on productivity and happiness from what I've seen. Uh, This book, 4,000 Weeks, published in 2021. It seems to be, I think the word you used was an antidote to uh, some of the attitudes in time management systems. So I'm thinking getting things done maybe building a second brain, <laughs> that Tony Robbins program we did, all these things that try and make you use the best, uh, use your time well. This book kind tries to point out a um, perhaps a risk in the perception of time we have that underpins all of that. Yeah. So it's in... Uh, it's in two parts choosing to choose and then beyond control. So I think the first part is like the way I framed it in my head is how do we um, take control over the things that are most important to us? And mm-hmm. um, and then the second part is more, how do we accept those things that are just out of our control without trying to cling to everything? Mm-hmm. Um, that would do as my first pass. What do you want to add? To yeah. That, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I think it's, um, yeah, it's, I, God says before we get going, like really loved his writing style and loved the um the way in which he he communicated these ideas. And I think it's uh it's refreshing to hear someone 
sort of coming at this from an angle of, hey, stop for a second before you get so carried away with your productivity systems, thinking that you can do it all, that if only you had the right system that you'd be able to complete all the tasks and all the things in your life you wanted to do. He's kind of pushing back on that a little bit and saying that we'll never really truly be able to clear the debts, that the future isn't this kind of set point that you can work towards where everything's going to be settled, you'll have everything completed, you'll have the exact life you want, you'll be, you know, you know, smashing, you know, the gym work, your finances, relationships, like you, you simply cannot do it all in one go. And he's saying that there is a, a freedom in letting go of the notion that you will be able to get to this fixed point in time when everything is kind of settled. Mm. Um, and I guess he's reflecting on his time as a journalist. He had a productivity column in a newspaper where he would kind of present the latest um productivity tips and tricks and life hacks that sort of kind of free up your time and give you you know um more time to get more done um and he found that 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 wasn't kind of working for him and it just made him busier more stressed and enjoying life a whole lot less so um that's sort of my uh i guess summary of um mm. what i think he <coughs> says this book is about yeah and a lot of the book is um, I use that word again, an antidote or a solution to this problem. So I thought I'd, I'd like to first really try and hone in of what is this problem? Because what he, yeah. the way he describes it, it's like we're, we're so used to the way we perceive time that it becomes invisible. Mm. Um, so basically the, the problem is that we've learned to view time as a resource, like money or like this objective thing that's somehow out there that we can spend well and i really liked the um image he used of like uh, a conveyor belt going by with like units on this conveyor belt like boxes let's say mm -hmm. and like the way we view time is say like that's so let's say we view each box as a week that's just passing us by mm. if we if we feel we get like a lot of decent stuff in that box and we feel good about ourselves, but then we can feel like we can waste that unit. Um, if we don't get enough in there, we can waste time. We can spend it unwisely and our self-worth ends up being really tied to how well yes. or not we, um, spend this resource. Hmm. And he says that that's, that's, we're so used to kind of viewing time that way that we don't realize it's just an abstraction that we do that actually he goes on to like talk about medieval times before they had clocks and before there was like factory work and like uh there was there wasn't this abstract measure of time it's like people just mm. worked with the uh mm. the environment and nature so that you know they woke up when the sun rose they uh, milked the cows when the cows needed milking. They <laughs> like harvest the crops when it was harvest time. And yeah. it wasn't done by a clock or a schedule. It was just the, uh, the running of things. Mm. And that the more we've got away from that and the more that we've abstracted time, the more that we see it as this, uh, this resource and this thing that we can try and make the most of for some abstract future point mm. when we finally get everything done. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And also that we can have, you know, kind of linking a bit to what we spoke about in uh, the one thing that we yeah. can have multiple priorities running at any one time and that right. we, we try and live as if 
we are we are limitless and there's <laughs> there's no limitations to our life and if only we got things yeah. right we would be able to kind of you know continue to to live like that but what i guess he's saying is that like that we are we are finite creatures and we're better off ex- accepting that and i think kind of linking to what you were saying he's saying that this is a, a relatively modern notion of thinking about time mm-hmm. um, that we we there's kind of more to do and there's like pressure to do things and it's our sense of self should be derived from what we manage to get done and how much we do get done. Um, whereas, yeah, back back in the day, <laughs> such a vague back to say, back in the day, that that wasn't such a. Um, it didn't appear to be such a priority for people. Mm, yeah. Mm. Well, he sort of he goes through the timeline first. There were clocks, and then there was like factory work, and then as you know, as transport evolved, you've got more difficulty in scheduling people to be in the same place at the same time and then obviously we have the information age and like zoom and working globally so like uh, as time goes on (laughs) uh more and more we have yeah we've come to view time as this abstract objective resource that we can uh and then that that we feel this sense of we must use it well and then that just adds a huge pressure and anxiety to our lives and it ends up with all these um, like ironic uh, consequences, like yes, the things yeah. that are most important to us <laughs> seem like there's so much pressure to to do them that we're so scared of them that we end up avoiding them and procrastinating and not working on the things that are most important to us. Or that yes. um, w- we get it in our heads that because we should get everything done, it's possible to get everything done. And because it's possible to get everything done, we work on like just getting rid of all the less important things first because it's less pressure. And then again, yeah. we never actually get to the things that either mean most to us or are most important to us in life. So this this actually this abstract idea of time and that we should achieve everything we want to has a reverse effect of us just <laughs> like yes. being really stressed, working on the things that matter least to us. And that's the horrible trap we can get into. That's it, yeah. And, and thinking that um and thinking like, yeah, once we get our ducks in a row, then we've got time to do those things we, right. we want we want to do. And uh there's kind of uh I guess the uh the worst case scenario is that you spend so long trying to be productive and put your, your systems in place that you actually spend more time doing that than the things you genuinely genuinely want right. want to do. Yeah. And yeah. so because so then he, he's kind of looking at all these time management systems that are out there yeah. and he's saying that if they're fueled with this underpinning philosophy that time is this resource we should use wisely, then although there might be helpful tools in there, what they can end up doing is just <laughs> have us more and more efficiently getting the wrong things done and actually piling more and more yeah. stress on and having us feel like, you know, uh, one day soon, this idea of the perfectly balanced life where I'm doing the things that are most important to me mm. is just in my reach, but we never quite get there. <laughs> never quite get there. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think what other things he says um, were kind of problems for people is that, you know, that they they do end up like ne- neglecting the things that are in, important and then therefore that, you know, they're not living the life they wanted to live and it's not really kind of in line with the values they want to live by and often, you know, kind of like look back in time with kind of a sense of regret that, you know, they didn't spend the time the way they wanted to. I think, I think we made a, a good point to why this is a, a problem that he identifies for, for people. I'm certainly, um, 
I think it's certainly something I'm on the, the cusp of falling into, especially as we cover more kind of productivity systems and books on productivity and um, how to spend your time wisely. Um, I'm wondering, oh, yeah, if there's something else you want to add. But yeah, just in terms yeah. of the, so in, I found implementing the David Allen system really helpful to getting things done, but I really relate to this idea that, you know, I've got all these different projects mm. on the go. They're all in the system. They, they chuck out to do's into my inbox. But yeah. when I actually, when it comes to doing the things my past self has told me to do, <laughs> I, I end up like doing the, you know, picking the ones that feel mm. nicest and easiest to do first. And like the ones that are, less appealing always end up sort of falling to the end of the day end of the week and actually those are usually the things that probably matter most to me and that end up getting put off most so i could really relate to this idea that when you feel you either can or should get everything done um that it can it can it can trick you into prioritizing the things that just aren't as important like the admin and the, the uh, yeah the things that help you feel nice when you have a clean room the procrastinating tasks yeah. i think um something i i definitely come you know fallen into is that like there's this perfect time to read the book i want to read and that i'm going to be free enough to make notes on it and i'm going to read every single book that i plan on reading i know um he had a conversation with um, Sam Harris on the Waking Up app around how he needs to accept his limitations around the fact that he won't ever be able to read all the books he wants to read that are on his shelf. Yeah. He's just got like hundreds, <laughs> like a, th yeah. a thousand books. And he yeah. he knows that even if he could read all of them, that he he wouldn't be able to. But I guess he's he was saying that like the uh, the beauty in life is that we we do have kind of he's saying that we'd ra he'd rather live in a world where there were like more amazing books that he couldn't read rather than just like 500 books mm. only ever written that he could he did yeah. have to read and I, I guess it's sort of um it, it, in acknowledging our limitations we're acknowledging it along those as well that we, there are we have a limited amount of time to um you know take any in information we want to we have limited amount of time with you know friends and family um in this world we have like we can't, we simply can't do anything in kind of accepting yeah. the fact that we can't do that is freeing rather than um, kind of like a depressing fact. And he says, yeah, in the fact that we in the fact that I think it's a message we've read in other books, that the fact that we are able to choose and we do choose yeah. is a is a positive thing. Like we have to accept that not only what he's stressing is that it's not a simple matter of saying no to things you don't want to do. Yeah. It's actually saying no to things you do want to do. Yeah. And accepting the fact that you will you won't always get to do all the things in your life you you would choose to do. Therefore, the things you do do take on a whole new level of importance because you've chosen them over things yeah. that are potentially as equally important, not just things you just have no interest in. Yeah. I think yeah. for a lot of conversations, we've spoken a bit about the ability to kind of like say no to other people or other requests or other areas of life that kind of like don't serve you. Yeah. But this kind of takes it a, a step further that we we can't. We have to say no to some really challenging things that we'd, we'd probably quite yeah. like to do, but we're not going to be able to do. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, he calls it facing finitude. So yes, yeah. the idea that, well, what these time management systems generally secretly promise is it is a sort of immortality where we can trick ourselves into mm. this perpetually 
knocked forward future state where I will mm. finally get there. I will finally be at this place where I'm in this Zen-like mode of doing everything I want and I'll get all my mm. projects done. And what we're avoiding is facing the fact that we're, we're finite, you know, we will die someday. Um, yeah. Like the title suggests, yeah, if we're lucky, we'll get 4,000 weeks. If we're less lucky, we'll get fewer, but like we are finite. There's only so much we will achieve and do mm. and, and that it would be a shame to waste it constantly being in the future and being stressed about that yes. <laughs> um, yeah. r- rather than being present and enjoying the the time we do have and the things we do do and the 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 times we do spend even though it is sometimes sad and difficult to acknowledge that you know there will be a last time you do each thing you do and that uh sometimes if you try your hardest at the thing you want to do it might not go as well as your fantasy had you know and that's it's hard to face that that um you know, if I write that novel, if I record that album, if I publish that blog, actually, like if I put it off indefinitely, I, I never have to face my limits of yes. what I can yeah. actually achieve. <clears throat> I yeah. can always fantasize that I'm someone who could do that, but hasn't yet. And uh, yes, <laughs> I think that ties a bit into um, just a part he said on, you know, the, the issues around planning is that there's sort of like we have this, um, we we carry this tension and we have this need to kind of be certain about the future and in planning we are kind of um trying to control the future so if we're constantly in planning mode predicting and getting sucked into expectation and constantly you know wanting things to be different and therefore making plans so they are different in the future so then when we get there things are the way we want them to be right yeah there's yeah. there's essentially a, a problem in that because there's you know most i like what he reflects on that most of the major events and most kind of um i guess maybe the happiest or maybe most kind of um significant moments in our life kind of happened by luck or things that were out of our control as well he says like no matter how much we plan we don't know what will happen next there's always more of the future so always more reassurance we need to seek i think there's sort of uh, a trick we play on ourselves if we're constantly kind of planning ahead that we're we're sort of trying to reassure ourselves for the future we're trying to control things in the future out of out of reach and he's you know, mm. always says like what is a plan actually it's a present moment statement of your intentions and yeah I think he's saying that planning can be helpful but don't be an obsessive planner because you're trying to seek reassurance from the future and he says we will never get to truly relax that things will be the way we want them to be we like yeah. planning is helpful but don't don't get too sucked into it because um, yeah ultimately like plans change and he kind of gave the example of being on holiday it's like you know if we get to the airport at this time and then we get this yep. flight so, oh, great, like the plan to get to the airport and time was great and we caught the flight. But then you get to the other end and then there might be a problem with like the taxi and then the whole, like it, there's kind of no end to the ways you can try and control the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a risk, yeah. like a planning is obviously helpful to some degree, but there's a risk in this implicit attitude that if you plan right, mm. the future should obey your wishes <laughs> and that like mm, that's no, it, ma- yeah. no matter how much you plan, you can't control the future and we can end mm. up um, constantly planning or living in the future, trying to control it in a, con- in a constant state of tension. And yeah, um, yeah. 
on something that's out ultimately out of our control anyway obviously it's mm. wise to leave a bit of time getting to the airport but <laughs> but like there's a, yeah. you know, if, if the plane's cancelled the plane's cancelled you know if if there's a massive mm. traffic jam you know what can you do it's you're stuck mm. <laughs> i uh, i'll be interested um i guess to kind of jump onto the five questions he poses to us about you know around like living in in deep time and um that's i think we've given a good explanation about some of the the issues and problems around um kind of hyper productivity and sort of cool. trying to constantly fine tune your systems without um maybe the basis of understanding of our limited yeah. time on on earth so there's the there's well, some five d- questions yeah. so i'll dive I'll, I'll just uh note that with these five questions are like the last thing in the last chapter of the book but what they do is kind of and we didn't want to miss them did we <laughs> we didn't want to miss them <laughs> yeah. and they also yeah. like <laughs> They reflect back on the entire book implicitly through what they're asking, don't they? So I, I yes, think it's yeah. a good way to sort of summarize the book as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so shall I? I'll pose the question, and then maybe yeah, uh, you we'll can play with either them. tell me what you think about them or give me a personal answer. We'll see. Yeah. Um, where in your life are you pursuing comfort when what's called for is a little discomfort? Are you avoiding anxiety or, or compulsive worry? Does that dismin- diminish or enlarge me? Yeah, so this is where, where in your life are you pursuing comfort when what's called for is discomfort? So this is the idea of uh, like avoidance. He the, he has this chapter called becoming a better procrastinator, <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. his idea he's flipping the word procrastinator to mean like stop doing the things that are least important, procrastinate on those things that um, you know leave your washing a bit and leave your house a little bit of a mess yeah. and then focus on this project you actually really want to do right yeah. um rather than how we usually uh, use the word procrastinate so that we do the the shopping and the washing up and the hoovering to yeah. avoid doing the things that are most important to us yes. so th- this is how i make sense of this question and i suppose mm. yeah like um if i were to f- reflect on this personally so like me and you do these podcasts and uh and that's i mean that's really helpful because we have the we can schedule it in and be accountable to each other Mm. but i've also had this idea of wanting to make some like um specifically psychotherapy aimed videos by myself Mm. as a way to like create some content marketing for um my private practice as a therapist and a supervisor and I can find myself like that's one of those things that keeps getting like pushed down the bottom of the list and actually it's probably one that would be most meaningful and exciting to me at the moment um Mm. but I end up sort of yeah pursuing the the tasks that are more familiar and habitual to me because they're more comfortable when actually a little more discomfort on you know putting myself out there and recording something and making it public um could be a could be a, a more meaningful way for me to go yeah i think uh, in the chapter on becoming a better procrastinator he talks yeah. about um says pay yourself first when it comes to time so it says like do the valuable things yeah first and you know he also talks about you know limiting work in progress as well so kind of if you give yourself um yeah like a, set, a set amount of time to do things don't over don't go over that, like set yourself a limit on how much you can do because it's going to strengthen the muscle to come back to that activity again in the future. Well, this is um, where it yeah. kind of counters the getting things done philosophy, which is that like, y- you know, you've got your list of 
goals and your list of tasks connected to those goals and your list of t- like next projects and actually you know there's this idea in david allen says mind like water we can be sort of zen like hopping between them all whereas whereas this is saying actually like just put every you know try and focus on very very few things at one time you know mm. w- one maybe two or three projects at once yeah. but like yeah limit them because the more you have going on the more you'll just make like tiny little steps in each of them mm. and the more you can use the easiest one as an excuse not to do the one you're most scared about or something yes, like that yeah it yeah, takes says human that- psychology more into account i think doesn't it this approach Yes, yeah. I like the bit he also says about like resist the allure of middling priorities. Mm. So just sort of all those kind of like average things that sort of aren't, I don't know, they're kind of not your greatest goals, but they're also not just small, menial tasks. They just kind of like sit somewhere in the middle and then spending your day doing things that kind of take up a lot of time, but aren't actually serving a greater purpose for you. Or they're not, not about serving a greater purpose, but they're not how you'd want to be spending your time in an ideal world, like the greatest way of spending your time. Yeah, there's there's back to that irony, isn't it? That actually, when we're scared of making the most of life, we can end up putting off what's most important to us. I suppose those middling priorities are things that do kind of matter to us, um, mm. but they're perhaps down at number ten rather than at number one or two, and, yes. that, and we can trick ourselves into doing those because well, that's important to me. Like I can tell mm. myself that, and it is, but it can also be an excuse not to do number one or two. Mm. You'll, uh, you'll laugh. I went to a, a all day training for a workplace that I've been at for a little while, and they uh, they were talking about their strategic vision. And there was a they talked about their priorities, and there was yeah. twenty six priorities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just laughing in my head about. I was like, oh, imagine they, if they had to con- condense these twenty nine priorities down to one thing. What would it be? Yeah, what would be like the one thing? Yeah, anyway, I guess brilliant. I'm slightly reaching into another book there, but uh, anyway, I guess it's um. I guess it did, that that did get me thinking a bit about you know what what are things I'm doing that sort of aren't they take up a lot of time but they're mm. not serving a whole lot of purpose for me and it's not necessarily being attached that everything I have to do has to have a purpose but it's also it's not um, it's kind of neither one nor the other it's neither like something relaxing and enjoyable but also it's not something that's kind of like one of like a high a high mm. goal for me that's something I really want to achieve it just kind of sits somewhere um, in the middle um, next question. Um, Feel free to, yeah, give as much or as little on this one. I think this one kind of probably is relatively self-explanatory for people. So it uh, says, are you holding yourself to or judging yourself by standards of productivity or performance that are impossible to meet? Mm. I um, I might just jump in here because I gather, you know, you just give a personal example. I want to make sure this doesn't become an interview. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess um, in, in that I think I often want to excel in every single area of life at the same time yeah um i think this definitely leans into um something he says in the book about deciding what you're going to fail at yeah Um, yeah yeah so like there are times where i just i want to like you know kind of do look at my tony tony robbins ultimate visions and my ultimate (laughs) person the ultimate person is like gym six times a week yeah it's got this like perfect morning routine i'm like catching up with friends every single night i'm making loads of money so i can save up for trips and stuff i'm going traveling like all these things that like i will do like and i i want to do like they're not like meaningless things but like putting them all together it's simply just unrealistic to like Mm. get up at like 
five in the morning every morning and do like my one hour of reading and then my one hour of gym and then do mm. this and then go out with friends in the evening and expect mm. to be saving money at the same time as that and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. then then have all this other time to do like my my journaling and writing and all these sorts of things and i think that's something i'm there's a uh uh a standard that i can't maintain over a, a long period of time so i think that's probably um whether i'm judging myself by standards but i think i've set the bar a little bit too mm. high at different times of my life and i think something i'm reflecting on now is that like i'm moving house in the next couple of weeks and that's requiring me just to have a little bit of extra money because um uh you know house moving stuff and you know buying mm. a few things for the house and, that, and then i'm going right but i've got unpaid leave for two and a half weeks coming up going to come see you in england that'd be good um so like there's there's a need for a bit more finances but so i've been working both days on the weekends oh, yeah. but i've 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 with all my might really wanted to keep going to the gym at the same rate I was and keep right. reading at the same rate and keep sticking to commitments. But I, I just can't, like my body's just like, can't do it. Well, and you know, it also I'm, begs I'm the just, question, yeah. even if you could and did, if it was becoming so unpleasant for you to force yourself to do these things, yeah. then like it's, it's that idea of sacrificing the fu- the present for the future in a way that like, if you were to do indefinitely, then you just live a life of like suffering and strife. <laughs> Be ill. Yeah. yeah, just pushing it, push. so, yeah. so I think I've, since listening to this book, it's, it's got me reframing going like, okay, actually for the next, how about for the next four weeks, I mm-hmm. don't put so much pressure on myself to go to the gym as much as I normally would. Or maybe I just kind of, I go for a shorter amount of time or I just, you know, go three times a week instead of six, or I go yeah. for a walk instead of like, a run every morning so i guess uh yeah in that sense it's helped me sort of uh readjust my expectations of myself and what it means to be happy like i, I want to make sure that i'm like rested and you know capable of um doing good work when i do go to work and being there for my partner when i mm. come home and i'm not just like completely tired and don't want to talk to anybody mm, or, yeah you know or like i had to um you know cancel the podcast last week because i was just too yeah. tired you know like yeah. so that's just um gets me thinking about uh Maybe it's the wrong word, but like balance, like one thing. And that's what he says in the one thing, like there's no, he says there's no such thing as balance. Yeah. Like one thing will inevitably take over and things go to the back yeah. seat, but you don't want certain things to go to the back seat for too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, very overextended point there, but you, that's my, <laughs> they're my thoughts. Yeah. yeah. So the question again was, mm. are you holding yourself to and judging her by judging yourself by standards of productivity or performance that are impossible to meet? I think that ties in the first example I gave of like recording um, psychotherapy videos mm, as like mm. content marketing. Like I'm sure part of the reason I also put that off is because I have this idea in my head that they have to be good. <laughs> and mm. uh, uh, and I th- I'm hoping it's in this book. I'm getting them crossword now, but somewhere I've read about like the courage to be rubbish. Um yeah. And Probably this book. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. Um, and yeah, this idea that, that allowing yourself to be bad at something, especially when you first start or give something your first go, it's like, hmm. um, yeah, it, it giving yourself permission that actually, no, like if, if this is a thing I want to do, then I'm going to start off at one level. Hopefully I you know, learn and get better over time, but I can only learn and get better over time if I do it. So allowing yourself to first do something yeah. that, and it, you might not do it very well. And that that's 
all right. <laughs> it doesn't have to mm. mean the world. Um, mm. But if we're judging ourselves by a performance standard that's impossible to meet, then there's a, a pure conflict there. It's like, well, I want to do this. I haven't got enough practice to do it as well as I want yet, so I'll put it off. Mm. But then by putting it off, I'll never get the practice I need to do it as well as I want. So I end up just yeah. never doing it. Yeah. Never doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And just simply by getting started, like that can actually get the ball rolling as well. I think in, yeah, I found as well. I'm going to uh, jump yeah. in with what he called cosmic insignificance therapy. Ah, oh, I love this. <laughs> I knew you'd love this bit. Um, <laughs> because it, it ties into this, right? He basically, gets to the point like we generally are fairly egocentric and feel that we're important but ultimately you know ultimately on the cosmic level nothing matters right the the sun's going to consume our solar system in five billion years or so <laughs> like even the most famous people that have existed their history will be wiped from the face of the universe and like ultimately nothing really matters in that yeah. scheme and like, he says you can take that as a sort of personal therapy that when you're putting yeah. this pressure on yourself for things to be so important and meaningful such that you're even putting them off that um actually when you realize how on some level ultimately nothing of like this really matters it's like well then you just have mm. more of if you can really soak into that you have this freedom to be like well, it's, you know, may as well just give give life a crack then. <laughs> like, like mm -hmm. what have I got to lose? <laughs> I like that. I, th I think to expand on what you're saying there, he says, um, what we should do is we should refuse to define what is remarkable as meaningful as well. So not that necessarily right. everything we need to do has meaning, but also ordinary experiences can be profound also. Like we can have a remarkable yeah. human life. And I think that's maybe ties into some of the um, the problems he says with maybe today's modern culture that everything we do needs to be remarkable and the best and incredible and special. And actually yeah. the, the everyday experiences can bring a lot of joy too. And what he says, you know, there's a huge relief and it's freeing to let go of the things we, we worry about and what we define as important because yeah. ultimately like we can, we don't need to, what's say like transcend the, the mundane we can and hold ourselves to standards we can't meet. We can yeah. drop back down. He says, what does he say? We can drop back down from godlike ideas of significance back to how life actually is. He yeah. says, the anxiety we feel about productivity is a sense of over-importance that we need to justify. We aren't that important. No one really cares. Let this drive, <laughs> yeah. let this drive us to be bold, to be, to be happy. I yeah. think that's a, it's a, it's kind of, it's a grounding message. And I think it's important because it sort of does underpin, you know, the, the questions he's asking him, the things he's asking to remind us that we don't need to constantly be striving in order to be happy. And I guess what he's saying is the fact if we continue to strive and define things as remarkable yep. to be meaningful, then actually we probably end up less happy than we, we, we could be. Yeah. And it's not to like, say that life has no meaning it's just that on the scale we often think about meaning that that might be flawed like just it does something doesn't have to be infinite or like have real longevity to make it meaningful it doesn't have to be witnessed by you know hundreds or thousands of people for many years for it to be meaningful like mm. there's meaning in the finite like if you know, if this recording crashed and this was just a conversation between me and you and that was it, then like there's meaning right here and now and the fact that yes, we're on the other yeah. sides of the planet having a 
chat with my mate you know it's like there's there can be just meaning there in there right here and now it doesn't have to be this thing that lasts forever or or something some uh legacy that's uh funny you said that because i was that was a a point i was going to make this podcast exactly that that it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't have to i think maybe this tied into another point he makes around that things we do don't have to serve a future purpose always yeah like they can be for the sake of themselves and then there's um i like this chapter the book. Rediscovering yeah, yeah I think, rest i think he could re- yeah in, in rediscovering rest i i guess i like how these um these questions are sort of like a springboard for us to kind of get into these topics <laughs> so uh yeah good idea but um i i think that that's something that stood out to me for sure is that we don't need to do everything for the sake of a future um yeah a future person we imagine ourselves to be so i think that's uh that's like this podcast is a perfect example of that is that like we know if we just did this it would feel like a good use of time even if the recording stopped um or crashed or whatever we didn't get to upload it um yeah yeah so that yeah, yeah. that chapter he talked about how like we can off we can end up this attitude can end up seeping even into our leisure time where mm. we feel like if we take That's up a it, sport yeah. or an instrument, we have to start being produ- productive. We have to practice. We have to get better. We have to improve. We have to meet targets. We have to download, you know, Strava for our running or our cycling and like constantly turning leisure time into productivity. And he talks about activities, which, um, you know they're truly leisure when they serve no purpose um mm, mm. and uh my favorite was he talked about that rod stewart spent 20 years building this modeled train set <laughs> <laughs> which uh, it was like a, a fantasy train set that was like a cross between new york and chicago that he he made up and that he would take it on tour with him and sort of paint his model trains after after his concerts, <laughs> I just that, was, that was brilliant. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He also talked about this woman who uh, she'd been uh, surfing for like five years and and was yet to catch her first wave, but but she just enjoyed it. <laughs> she really enjoyed it anyway. She just liked being out in the water, and it's yeah. like yeah. The, uh, I think hiking was another example where ultimately mm. the 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 goal is to get back to where you started, and if you wanted to achieve that as efficiently as possible, you just wouldn't leave. <laughs> um, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't go on the walk in the first place, would you? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I, th- I think it. Um, I guess it maybe even I was watching the football the other night, and I just yeah. sort of like allowed myself to watch the football without feeling like I was wasting time, or mm. like I knew this was like a. Re- a recharging thing and I just could like enjoy it for its sake and yeah. it's okay to get like a little bit like just lost in something that doesn't feel particularly productive or like doesn't really yeah. serve like, much for a purpose I think building more of that time into life I think there's there's probably limits to that where like I've I felt like I am genuinely wasting time yeah um, and then sort of I guess like it can go too far the other way where you just don't allow yourself to like even calling it wasting time is is critical because it's actually it is a it's a great use of your time to like recharge and then when you go back to the activities you do want to do um you often feel a bit more sort of motivated mm. to get back it back into them i suppose well yeah waste the idea of wasting time falls right back into that perception that time is this yes. resource that you can yeah. spend yeah i'm glad you could correct me on that one <laughs> yeah. yeah well it's pervasive I, I i wrote down a few of those phrases uh what did he have 
getting getting through something. Oh, I can't wait to get through this week or or getting yeah. this uh, out the way. I can't wait to get this week done. Yeah, it's the experience you have of getting rid of time. That's the language people use, isn't mm. it? It's interesting. Like, and it's kind of ingrained into culture that you know, kind of we we talk about like. Yeah, we're wasting time, how we use time. We're running out of time. There's yeah. not enough time. Not enough time. It's going by quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think yeah. just uh, just to close off this this one, it actually yeah. relates to the, fi- the final question. How do you spend your days differently if you didn't care so much about watching your action reach fruition? Right. I think that yeah. speak, speak, speaks for itself. Um, there's one final question out of these, I think, that might springboard into other conversations, but um, in which areas of life are you still holding back until you feel like you know what you're doing? Um, and I've written up to you this, don't wait, we're all winging it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the winging it part, being like, um, <laughs> don't you talk about people in kind of, he had a friend who was like a politician basically saying that none of them really had many much yeah. idea what they were doing. They were just kind of like working it out as they went along. And I think I've kind of maybe realised that in in workplace settings that people people are never like fully ready maybe for the position they're in or there's there's always going to be yeah. kind of like unknowns in the work you're doing like there's not a, a set time you're kind of ready for the next step really yeah. you sort of you know, there's going to be something you're winging yeah yeah well i think there's this as children there's this fantasy we have of adults which just isn't real but like i think we might still carry around with us and project onto institutions and governments and mm. businesses and things. But yeah, we have this idea that, you know, somewhere out there, there's, there's people really have got their shit together and know what they're doing. <laughs> and actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was saying, well, first, you know, I got into newspapers where I thought, you know, it must, everyone must know what they're doing. You get there and you, you meet yeah. all the individuals work on this thing, actually, like a lot of them are winging it. And it's like, wow. Then I got into politics and realized, oh, the same's happened there. And I was like, cool. Oh, well, maybe it's just Britain and he moved to America yeah. and he finds the yeah, same yeah, yeah. attitudes there. It's like, actually, yeah, we're all just sort of getting by winging stuff. And um, uh, so if that is the case, then then it would be a shame not to pursue things because we feel we're not ready yet when actually, like, that's no reason not to pursue something. <laughs> yeah. I um, I feel like I'd be, I'd be interested to kind of chat about some of the, the tools um, he has in place for... Em- embracing finitude i know there's yeah. uh there's 10 tools he lists at the end of the book um yeah and uh i guess i'll just kind of go through them and we'll just um chat about each one i think i think uh, for any anybody listening i think i'm well i guess I'm, I'm hoping that we've kind of uh been able to explain the sort of the the ethos and the um approach to to living that he's outlined here and the problems of kind of um the current ways of mm. living or thinking about productivity and these are some ways to um I guess fight fight back against that or things you can put into place in your life that might help sort of live with a more healthy attitude towards time and productivity. Um, we, uh, we did miss yeah. question number three. I don't know if you want to explore. Did we? It. Did we? I know. Uh, in what ways have you yet to accept the fact that you are who you are, not the person you think you ought to be? <laughs> hmm. I think we we touched a bit on that um, maybe earlier, just around um, that, like we're kind of we we're striving to be a, a certain way so everything we do is kind of in service of of that but we never truly get there because the goalposts keep shifting i would say um yeah always wanting to yeah this yeah. is so yeah. i think more into the idea of like identity that like i should yes. be x person rather than necessarily i should be 
you know, get this thing done or yeah. be good at this. No, it's, it's more like soaked into mm. this idea of, um, mm. yeah, like one day I will be <laughs> so and so, and when I'm this yeah. person, I'm telling myself I should be. Then everything will be okay. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 I've written here. Oh, you. I was going to say, I wrote, I wrote some notes here saying, even if we achieve or become something, yeah. we don't get security. Right. And he's saying, like he says, confront who we actually are. Yeah. And how would you truly enjoy spending your time if you weren't constantly um, like striving to be somebody else? I yeah. Guess. You can yeah. get, I suppose you can get to this idea that, you know, well, if I finally get this degree or this job or this attractive a partner, then maybe I'll feel like, you know the person I want to be, but actually, you just end up being you with that, <laughs> with that new yeah. role. Yeah, <laughs> that new role, and then yeah. like this is constantly sh- like, and that will constantly shift to new desires and right. you know uh, new gaps between the person you currently are and the person you want to be. Mm. Um, interesting. Now, thanks, thanks for being that. That's a good one to keep keep in mind. So, um, tool one. Um, try and not make this a list, but uh, to want to adopt a fix. It is a list. <laughs> it is a list. So I'll, I'll, I'll treat, I'll try to treat it like one anyway. Yeah. Um, adopt a fixed volume approach to productivity. So it says tough choices are inevitable and must be done consciously. Open list is. So he, oh yeah, what's he say? So he says like have an open list of absolutely everything you want to get done, and then a closed list, ten max things on there. This um, yeah, yeah. this I, yeah. I really. This is important to me. <laughs> um, yeah, it goes because yeah. well, it, it goes back into this getting things done system. I, I suppose you can you can think of his tip here: keep one open list and one closed. You can think of the open mm. list as David Allen's like someday maybe list. Like one yeah, day I yeah. might get around to this, and you can sort of feed that into the the closed one. But David Allen doesn't really suggest so much of a closed list. He lets loads of projects and goals. Mm be ongoing at once yeah whereas this yeah. is saying no really reduce that down because the the more you have the more you can trick yourself into getting away with working on the ones that are easiest and the ones that are yes. easiest are usually ones with less pressure and they have less yeah. pressure because they're less important to you and they don't have, yeah you're not your identity isn't tied so much into them and your self-worth and your idea that if i try and do this and i fail and it'll be awful whereas if you kind of like don't let yourself move like do other things until you work on this fixed project or list you have, then you're, you're holding yourself more accountable to, you know, trying to do the things that are most important to you. So you don't end Mm. up, um, yeah, just shuffling the cards and clearing the decks day by day. Mm. In this as well, we talked about having predetermined time boundaries for your daily work. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you've thought about that. I think he, he speaks about how kind of any experts in their field over the years, yeah, um, talk about like maximum kind of doing what they do deeply for like three or four hours a day tops. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's sort of maybe reducing our expectations around what we can actually get done in a day. Um, yeah, or yes, yeah, so I, I think that's something I've certainly picked up is that like I. I'm like, oh, if I can get like an hour of undistracted writing or reading or preparing for the podcast done in the evening, like that's really good. Like I don't, mm. I, I think set, setting the bar too high sort of sets yourself up for failure slightly. So just kind of kind of being happy with doing less, not sort of overreaching yourself too much, just being like, oh, this, I can have a really high quality hour as opposed to kind of trying to have 
high quality everything always mm. every hour of the day yeah there will be like down periods and need for rest yeah well, well it's it's yeah. acknowledging that finitude again isn't it if you tell yourself well i have until this time to do this thing then it it makes you <laughs> do the thing whereas if you're like well i if you implicitly tell yourself i have all day then you it's easier to do the least important mm. things first because you feel like you've got all the time in the world um mm. yeah and this this is harder with projects that kind of fall into the not urgent but important exactly yeah um, like quartile of um you know time like how to use your time and i think those things are kind of this this is like a way of sort of making sure you're spending time on things that are really important to you by kind of keeping smaller brackets of time that you can keep consistently um yeah throughout the day yeah also the week, so, yeah if you um if if you just continue to do something until you're either like exhausted or crash then you're conditioning yourself to find that thing really unpleasant yeah um whereas like let's say you did your hour or two of i don't know the writing you wanted and you get to the end of the hour and you're like oh i kind of want to carry on but you know i think i'll wrap up for the day it, then you're more excited to do it the next day and this is how he says mm. that the most um sort of prolific writers actually do less than mm. you might expect per day but they do it indefinitely for a longer yeah. period of time it's kind of like you know saving a compounding interest you mm. you could try and just like work really hard for a few weeks to save up but then you'll resent it and like won't be able to do that indefinitely so yeah you know it, just to put away a little bit of money that you don't really see um mm. once a week or once a month or something is a, a, a much more sustainable way to um save and in the same kind of way here yeah the more by not over stretching yourself with the things you want to do you're able to chip away at them for longer yeah yeah there's a next one serialized 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 says focus on one big project at a time see it to completion before you move on to the next postpone other things yeah yeah so this is like um i suppose you've got a let's say you've got a, a goal you want to achieve you might have tasks towards that goal i suppose by serializing you're thinking well what's the very next thing i need to do towards this and you do that and that's like, well, <laughs> what's the, the next thing and you, you keep taking that step until you complete that thing rather than taking one mm -hmm. step in 10 different directions and yeah. never quite feeling like you're getting anywhere in particular mm -hmm. i'm going to um, pick out kind of some of the favorites because i'm I, I feel like if we go through absolutely all of them we might be repeating ourselves at some point um but he's saying what one thing he says is to focus on what you've already completed not what's left to complete so he says keep a done list he says we're not yeah. in a productivity debt i think that's something he talks about is that we yeah. we wake up as if we we're in this productivity debt and we've got to get back into the green you know and i think it's important for us to kind of reflect on what we have actually done in the day and that's something i, I actually tried this afterwards and i was like so i had a really you know busy day at work and then came home and got quite a few things done i got to the end of the day i was like i've actually done a lot here like that was that's a that's a solid day like that's mm -hmm. that's okay like i didn't get done something i necessarily wanted to do but actually i'm like you know what that that was a fair amount like i did i did good there and i think that that's mm -hmm. a nice sort of it's a more positive way to think rather than like 
thinking about the things you didn't get done. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like grateful the opportunity that I got to do the things I did get to do as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He says here as well, consolidate your caring. You can't care about everything. And I've written here, manage your inputs. So I think that's something we've spoken about a bit before, you know, sort of you, you simply do not have the energy to kind of have every input matter to you right throughout life and um, yeah 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 i like one here he says um embrace boring and single purpose technology so just to talk a bit about Uh, yeah kind of tech's involvement in what he talks about here i think one example of that is having a kindle so not like reading articles on my on my phone um and kind of using do, doing one thing at a time, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard with like yeah. phones and laptops, isn't it? Because they can yeah. just do an infinite number mm. of things. Mm. And it definitely is nice to have a Kindle where there's <laughs> just, when I pick it up, I never, you, you can't question doing anything else with it because, you, you know, mm. you might uh, flip between, well, which book should I read? But other than that, like that's all you can do. Yeah. Um, whereas when you, I don't know, load up your laptop to do something, it's so much easier just to open web browsers and, yeah. whatsapp and all that nonsense <laughs> so uh i can see his point but in reality it's very hard to say not use your laptop for the whole you know hundred purposes you can yeah. use it for yeah. isn't it mm. i um what's one i like here so yeah practice doing nothing so it says sit in discomfort of not acting yeah um poor choice to feel that we are acting or doing doing things to feel important or productive in the service of future goals and never arise, which postpones fulfillment. Resist urge to manipulate your experiences, life and others in the world, and let things be as they are. And I think this is almost the final quote in the book. It says, to regain your autonomy, to stop being motivated by the attempt to avoid how reality feels in the here and now, to calm down and to make better choices with your brief allotment of time. Yeah, that's ties right. I suppose... uh... I think we both discovered this book from um, Sam Harris's Waking Up Meditation app. So this yes. ties kind of right back into mindfulness and practice mm-hmm. being present. And he had a chapter on um, patience, which I enjoyed. He called it uh, staying on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two things that really stood out to that in that one for me. W- one was this um, story of a art professor whose first task he gave everyone was go to your local big museum, choose one piece of art and you have to sit and look at it for three hours <laughs> and you're not allowed to do anything else. Um, I think he said, you know, bathroom breaks are allowed, but other than that, like, you know, no phones, no you know, talking, all you're doing is looking at this piece of art for three hours. And, it, it, and the, Oliver Burtman tried this and sort of talked about the process of how antsy and frustrated he got in the first 45 minutes. And then I, over that time, he started to calm down a little. And then he started to notice all these little details mm. in the painting that weren't immediately obvious. Um, yeah, it, it sounds both very simple and like a very difficult thing to do. Yes, yes. I, I think it's, um, I think that's something that does you know cultivate a, a I, I it's it's slow it's forcing yourself to slow down isn't it and to pay yeah. attention to the details and to also i guess to a degree like work out what's what's important and not missing life mm-hmm. like not not rushing through life kind of 
waiting for the next, well, you know, trying to living for the next best thing to actually kind of enjoy where you are in that very mm. moment. And like that whole thing around not manipulating the experience, not trying to change it to suit your needs and mm. wants, but actually just kind of being with it as it is. Um, there's one part, and I think this is one of the tools that will lead on to something I found particularly interesting. It was around yeah. time with time with others. Um, yeah. uh, that yes. chapter, which I found really interesting. I was hoping we get a chance to chat about it, but he's one of the tools yeah. he says here is be, be a researcher in relationships. So I said, uh, I wrote down, um, you know, we try to control and we want to be independent, but we need to try and enjoy communality, try and deliberately be curious without any outcome intended, figure out who people are, what we can like or dislike and not get frustrated when people aren't acting in a, in a certain mm. way. So this um, is sort so of an antidote to when you try and find yourself frustrated and trying to control the way people are to fit your desires. It's like, well, yes, a way yeah, yeah. to accept reality and uh, even enjoy it perhaps is to, rather than thinking about how you want them to be different, just learn to be curious about the be way people instead. are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I'll be really interested to know what you think about this. Cause I think there's been um, maybe, maybe in the last book I was a, uh, expressing some whether it's like stubbornness or some sort of uh enjoyment out, out of being quite guarded with my time and not being distracted yeah. whether that's in kind of like a social sense or a work sense and kind of he's he's saying you know other people are always impinging on our time and we want to be in full control and no one else can impact our time and we like hoard time to ourselves as if no one can kind of like yeah impinge on it and he says that we want total freedom um <laughs> from people distracting us. But I think he's saying that life is as much about kind of obviously making time for yourself to do the things you want, but also accepting the fact that like there is a, there are collective rhythms and like time is to be enjoyed with other people. And it's good to be on other people's schedules sometimes, you know, example by, you know, kind of like group team sport where yeah. everyone turns up at six o'clock on a Tuesday yeah. night to play <laughs> in indoor football. I think it was a good reminder for me that like, I think I'd maybe gotten a bit too narrow in like, right, here's my morning routine. When I go to work, here's the things I want to get done. Mm. And I don't want anyone to impinge on that time. And this is my time. But like, there's kind of a, there's a joy in not being so individualistic and just getting mm. so narrow focused. I'm, I'm curious, um, whether you had any thoughts on that because this is a chapter that kind of really really stood out to me and sort of yeah yeah reminded me to sort of just be like oh you know it is okay if someone um kind of goes over a plan you had maybe you had a plan to kind of like read this specific chapter that night but someone tells you oh do you want to go out for for dinner and you're if you say no because you're being stubborn then you might be missing out a really <laughs> genuine chance to yeah. have a, a nice connection with that person or something yeah 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 so there are like i suppose you can think of both extremes the one word I suppose, inclined towards in the modern day with these time management systems is like you mm. say, trying to give yourself as much freedom as possible. We, we want time off. We want remote working. We want to control our own schedules. And, you know, maybe there's, there's good in that and fair enough. But he also talked about um, time. If you even, if you see time as a good, then fair enough. But it's, if it's a good at all, it's a, what he calls a network good, which is it's only as mm. valuable as you can uh, share it with others to some degree. Mm -hmm. So um, a, a really poignant example was that in the Soviet Union, they tried to employ this um, a five-day week. Mm -hmm. So you worked four days, got one day off, but everyone were, there was like a number of different um, color bands 
and different colours got a different day off. <laughs> so day if, off, you, yeah, if yeah. you were red, let's say your, your day off was Monday, and if you were green, your day off was Tuesday. It's like, well, if me and you were red and green, we'd never have the same day off. So the yeah. idea would be that, well, all the factories could keep running every day, every shop could be open all the time because someone's always there to work them, and everyone gets actually more time off um, overall. But... But if you never get that group sense of we're all off together, or we have a public mm. holiday, like this is Christmas that we all spend together, or this this is the summer holiday, or you know this mm. is our family vacation or whatever, that's like mm. actually it's it's important to have shared time, and you can yes. only really do that by um, sacrificing a bit of your autonomy over your own schedule to fit in with either societal holidays or. Um, you know your families or your friends what they're up to mm. i think it's, it's it's just a good reminder to hold isn't it this sort of like if productivity as you say can go too too far and it's um i think something personally reflecting on is i've switched to more regular hours in the sense of like more nine to five hours yeah for the, for the most part in my current work so like you know 80 percent of my shifts i do at the moment are like nine to five which has been really nice because someone goes oh do you want to go for dinner next tuesday night and i'm like yes i am free yeah <laughs> like yeah. i can come that'd be lovely you know rather than being like oh, i'm on an afternoon shift i'm gonna miss that yeah. and i think that's something that i think was it genuinely impacting me actually and sort of like wasn't making me as available for my friendships was you know kind of i wasn't able to kind of do things on the weekend i'd be working on saturday morning or i'd be just not not free to do things it's, there is some value mm. in like every, everybody being on nine to five monday to friday mm. is the fact that like everyone's typically a lot freer to spend time with each other and i guess like, yeah this is this is often the time for me anyway i consider best spent is when i'm spending it you know kind of with friends with my partner with like family and stuff and uh i guess even to a uh maybe to stretch this idea out further and maybe a conversation for another time but even to the degree in which uh, choosing to live overseas <laughs> for the sake of kind of living the life I want to live and the yeah. um, the goals the goals I have and uh, the autonomy that I would like, um, how that affects obviously spending quality time with friends who live yeah. outside of the world back in England. I, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that just kind of kind of occurred to me, but I think it's a it's an interesting thought about what um, what you're kind of giving up for the sake of your own autonomy. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes, so he, yeah. Well, he titles this chapter "The Loneliness of the Digital Nomad." So he sort of takes yeah. the um, perhaps the modern day dream life of someone who's working on that laptop, going from you know <clears throat> Thailand to Fiji to wherever to like see the world whilst they can earn a bit of money. And um, he gives a few case examples of people actually, you know, really finding that hard that they. <sighs> The relationships they have are, are fleeting and they move on. He talked about this yeah. guy who sort of lived on a cruise ship whose friends oh, just God, cha yeah. change every four weeks and and uh um I'm the happiest man alive. Yeah. <laughs> his his friends became the crew on the ship. You know? Yeah, and it, it yeah, he paints yeah. a really sad picture of that. But like, yeah, it definitely makes a great point. And I mean, I have sympathies in both directions, like Con controlling my own destiny to some degree by like habitualizing a morning routine and um controlling my work work schedule has been really important to me but i, I really mm. also do see as 
point and agree that yeah like um if you have time off when everyone else is busy and vice versa then that's um that's miserable as well and actually sharing public holidays together um signing up to things that sacrifice your autonomy like you know a football club where it only works if we all show up at the same time every week doesn't yeah. it like it, that's um that's positive as well that's where we get a lot of meaning from well i think we had a lot of that when we were growing up didn't we we'd have skittles on friday night <laughs> on saturday night yeah we usually have some sort of dinner plan on the saturday night and head yeah. into town with a similar crew of people and yeah then, yeah watch watch match of the day and then <laughs> like yeah you know yeah so, it only yeah, works I, I if we're all in the same place at the same time and have that yeah. sort of group expectation yeah no, I, th I think there is a general craving for that amongst people i know like kind of in our circle of shared friends we've spoken about how nice it would be to sort of like all live together and yeah. be able to go down the pub on a tuesday night like imagine we just had went back to having skittles every friday night together you know rather than yeah, sort yeah. of like being like once a year being like oh let's catch up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh yeah i guess it's a, a broader thing to think about in terms of um thinking about like this internationally but um yeah, I, I thought that, that was a really interesting chapter. So I was, I was glad you glad you felt some utility in that. Too. Definitely, yeah. Because I mean, I also have found, like, yeah, like I at my gym, I go to like tennis groups and classes, yeah. and I really get a lot from, yeah, having to go to something at a particular time because everyone else is going to be there. Mm. But just off the back of what you're saying, like I it's not like these people are my best mates, like they're lovely people and it's nice to spend time with, but yeah, the, to really make the most of this experience of talking about, it'd be like having this scheduled time with the people that are most important to you. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> saying that out loud sounds so obvious, but I think in the modern day where people, you know, end up moving all over the shop, it's actually um, hard to do. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's all the most important and interesting things for me. I'm wondering if there was uh, anything that stood out to you at all, any final reflections you'd want to um, share on the cast? Um, listeners? All right. Well, there's one thing I didn't get to. It's probably not the most salient one, but um, it's on my mind, so I want to finish it off. It was in that <laughs> one on patience where uh, he used, there was this um, analogy of, staying on the bus and so i think it was in helsinki or something it was like there are all these different buses but for the same 45 minutes they all take the exact same route and it was only after that that they all split off in different directions to go to completely yes. different places yeah and he used it as an as an analogy for i think like creative endeavors that like this kind of ties into identity and being the person you want to be and and mm. that that stuff um that when you try something cre creative like i don't know music or art or podcasting or whatever like for a long amount of time you probably will be um not original <laughs> you'll be like kind of copying yeah. things yes that, yeah. that you like and um, copying styles and maybe won't be as as good <laughs> as you want to be um yeah. but it takes staying on the bus to like yeah get to that 45 minute place where you finally split off and build yeah. your own 
um, originality after that. And so it, it's mm. kind of a lesson on patience that it's it's okay to spend, um, you know, to to throw yourself into something creative and not feel, uh, you know, like you're particularly good or original for a long time before before mm. you finally get to the other side of that. Yeah, nice. No, it's, it's a good point. It's also sort of um, can take the pressure off trying to exactly. trying to be different, and also like what what it might do to sort of kind of learning the basics and getting the miles in um, or kind of stunting like the natural progress you might have on something. If you just, uh, if you just kind of like just went, went with it and were willing to sort of do it the way it's been done for years before. Yeah. Kind of trying to do something, something different. Yeah. And there's kind of two lessons in that. And the, if you take the, the chapter on leisure and hobbies, it's like, well, maybe you don't have to get to the point where you're, creatively original in something maybe that's okay mm. like maybe you just enjoy mm. playing your guitar because you enjoy playing your guitar and the fact that you're just mm. you know ripping other people's licks is fine <laughs> but um <laughs> <laughs> but like it's just if you want to know how people end up being original it is it is a long road and that's that's all right as well yeah mm. thanks mate really enjoy this book i was uh yeah really looking forward to chatting to you about this i think uh I just I just want to highlight that what a I I bought the book and the audio book so oh, yeah. I was listening to it in his voice reading the actual nice. book itself and I I really I would certainly consider this one of like you know the top ten ones to kind of keep on on the shelf like I, yeah. I do rate this book extremely highly and I think the way he communicated those ideas and the way um just the way it made me feel when I read it it kind of it made me feel. Like I could take the pressure off myself a little bit. Yeah. It was like quite soothing and comforting. It wasn't sort of like you're doing this wrong. It's like it's okay. Like just yeah. slow down. Yeah. Like stop rushing and just kind of yeah. enjoy yeah. life. You know, there, there was sort of that undertone of kind of um, warmth to it that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, me too. So yeah, really raised my awareness to um, yeah unconscious attitudes I had towards yeah. projects and time and. Mm um that were causing stress and and in ways i probably wasn't aware of yeah mm. i i mean i can't say i'm uh, i've like <laughs> soaked all this in but i i know i really want to and the the bits i have soaked in yeah like you say i feel a lot calmer about yeah yeah so I, I think it's just sort of there's some some lessons and some kind of attitudinal shifts it's encouraging you to adopt yeah that i think will will kind of be in the back of your mind when yeah. deciding to kind of embark on something or you're getting carried away or there's this um, unsustainable amount of pressure you're putting on yourself at given points in your life. Just yeah. kind of allowing yourself to sort of, whether that's allowing yourself to fail or allowing yourself to sort of um, try your best without constantly striving. I think this does, yeah. this will maybe haven't quite formulated it yet, but I think this does certainly tie into the uh, striving versus acceptance um, debate yeah a, a thread that runs through the will and luke discuss cast yeah over yeah. the years yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah stop stop yeah. clearing the decks i have highlighted in my notes in front of me <laughs> which uh that was a lesson i definitely want to take from this that although, although it feels nice to do a good cleanup every now and again like what you could finding yourself doing that 
daily in a way that's procrastinating is uh and mm. tricking yourself into thinking it's productive is is one that i definitely want to take away from this nice nice okay well um i guess that's a that's a wrap uh next week we'll be discussing another oliver berkman book uh called the antidote we uh just as i kind of said really enjoyed his writing style this is the book he wrote previously to this book and um i guess given the current um busyness of my life um there's quite a lot going on I, I did want to pick a book that i felt i could uh yeah pick up easily and i felt familiar with the writer and uh the, the idea might be uh a little softer than anything too deeply theoretical so i'm uh it serves that purpose for me that i can pursue something meaningful without kind of uh maybe doing something that's too intimidating <laughs> but we'll see we'll see yeah. i'm sure well it certainly won't be next week but uh yeah, oh, next I, week. <laughs> I, also, <laughs> yeah. I haven't got the book yet but yeah um yeah i uh, i really liked his writing style too and happy to do another one of his done cool all right mate well lovely to see you again and uh yeah looking forward to catching up in a couple of months of time cheers mate take care see you, mate. Bye. cheers bye